everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bourbon Showdown Podcast. My name's Jesse Jones, and on the program today, we have Mr. Scott Nelson, the president of Preservation Distillery. He is the one bringing you that very old St. Nick and rare perfection whiskey. Man, they're making some good stuff down in Kentucky. Him and I, we talk about everything from how the brand got started to where he came from to Marcy and her insight to bring the juice to Japan back in the 80s. We go all over the place. It's a great talk with a very smart man. He knows his bourbon, and you can just see the passion coming through as he talks about what he has spent a career building. So we want to thank him for being on the program. It was really just a great chat. I mean, he was one of those guys where you can tell he he loves what he does. We get into the bourbon. We taste some of it. Good Lord, it is good. The very old St. Nick liquid is just so damn tasty. Uh, we, t- we talk about the very old St. Nick. We talk about the Rare Perfection 12-year, the 15-year. We go through it, man, and it really is just a delicious, delicious whiskey. So thank you, Scott, for being on the show. Look forward to having another drink with you soon. But for right now, let's just get it started. Let's let's not go long. Let's just get going with the show. I want to thank Will Jones for the music. I want everybody to go out, hit subscribe, hit like, follow us, do all the things. And for right now, we're going to start this thing. It's the Bourbon Showdown Podcast with Scott Nelson from Preservation Distillery. Let's start the show. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Glad to be here. We have uh, Scott Nelson on the program today. Uh, He is, you're the the president, right? Yeah, believe it or not. (laughs) The president at Preservation Distillery. He is on the program today to talk to us about the delicious juice that they are making. So I appreciate your time today. I know you're a busy guy. No, it's great to be here. I'm looking forward to it. And, And when you and I first spoke uh, a few weeks back, uh, you had a day that was starting. I, I was so jealous of you that day. Uh, I call, we're BSing in the morning. You're like, I got to go. I've got to taste whiskey for the rest of the day. W- what, a, what a great way to start your day. You know, it is. And, and I do that quite often. And um, I meet with Wes, who, who runs all of our, our operations. And uh, he's got a great palate. And um, we kind of agree on everything together. And we go through the warehouse and start looking at products and we, we have kind of a standardized list we go through. So we want to look at our stuff, um, see how it's progressing. Uh, we have right now, we have a lot of bourbon laid down, rye, we did a straight malt, a single malt. So we have a lot of cool things to taste through that, you know, always looking at and seeing how it's progressing. And when we think it's going to be ready, they're going to need some more time. Um, but the rye is tasting really good. But then we have a lot of other stuff that we have in on, which we've got a pretty, pretty extensive inventory of bourbon in the warehouse now and so we're always going through that tasting through to see when things are ready um working on some rise right now as well and we're very fortunate that for a small company we have a significant amount of 12 13 15 and 16 year old bourbon that we're playing around with that we're going to release later this year and so you know for those especially you want to make sure that you're capturing your bourbon the right moment so it's you know it's the peak uh, deliciousness all the great flavors we're looking for there and it doesn't go over that oak edge so we're always paying really close attention to those and um this last week we're, we've over rise so we have two two rise we're really proud of our summer rye and our harvest rye with old saint nick that um, we're putting the final touches on and getting those um ready for bottling so that's what we've been working on recently but almost um if I'm in the warehouse, which is most most days, um, I usually go and sample for at least an hour or two hours in the morning, grab a drill, uh, grab a glass and bird beaks and, and, have, and take my notebook and just make lots of notes and uh, try to make a lot of mental, mental notes along the way of all the good stuff uh, that we have to work with. So it's it's not a bad deal. That is absolutely awesome. I, I, I looked at your day as you had it laid out and then I looked at my day and I thought, man, I'm doing something wrong. Like, like you're day one times 10. But, you know, I was just telling you, I, I'm a recent transplant. I'm a brought into uh, to Bardstown. So I've been here about a year and a half. Love it here. People. It's a really nice place to be, especially if you're in the bourbon business. But um, I wasn't anticipating this weather to be as cold as it is. So um, last winter was really nice and uh, not too cold. A lot of good golfing days in there, but this year has taken a turn for the worse. So it's pretty cold out there in the morning when it's, 20 degrees and you're out in the warehouse and you know drilling barrels and stuff so 
Good it's, Lord. Uh, it's fun though. I feel there, there's no better way to warm yourself up, right? That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so uh, what, what brought you to the brand? Like what, where were you? Uh, how did you get to uh, preservation and, and uh, distilling these, these spirits? Yeah, I've been in the, this business for quite a long time. Not so much the production side, but the stuff side. I, uh, I started with a distributor back in 1991 and uh, worked for a lot of great suppliers along the way. And um, about five years ago, I was kind of, I've always been into bourbon. It's been my drink of choice forever. And uh, I was living in Texas and um, playing golf with some guys that are good friends that are distributors and work for other suppliers and stuff. And I said, you know, I'd, I'd really love to look at an opportunity one day if there ever was a chance to get into bourbon making. And um, I was in, kind of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And there was a company there called TX Whiskey that was owned by Firestone Robertson. Yeah. And um, they were just really scaling up. They have an operation similar to what we have today, two pot stills, um, really small production. And they um, had an investor come in and built this beautiful new distillery. It was on a, an old golf course there. And um, those are Byron Nelson and Ben Hogan learned to play golf. So it was a really cool place. Put a distillery in the middle of it, kept the golf course um, going and um, put a 36 inch column still in. And then we went from producing like four barrels a day to like, you know, 50 barrels a shift. And so I really wanted to be a part of that and became um, a part of that company and put as kind of a commercial business plan together to run all the sales for them. And we scaled it up and eventually sold to uh, Pernod Ricard. And I've always been friends with Marcy Palatella, our owner. She's um, really has an amazing history in bourbon. And I used to call on her. Uh, she was a customer of mine. I was at Moen Hennessy doing um, global travel retail. And she has a really interesting business where she does a lot of international commerce. And um, I was selling to her. And she always told me about this brand, Old St. Nick. And I started learning about it and looking at it. And um, when I was at TX, there's a lot of hardcore bourbon collectors there. And they're always all over me to get bottles from her so they could have them in their collections. And um, she had some really cool stuff from Japan with all the old Japanese back labels and everything and all the, all the cool waxes and things that she's been using. And so um, she had this opportunity come up and we talked about it. And um, yeah, I, I jumped in and moved to Bardstown and um, we've been, you know, rolling ever since. And, you know, with, with her, she and I are really similar with um, taste profiles and what we like and thought it would just be easy to work together. And it's been, yeah, it's been great. That's awesome. I, I love it when it happens organically like that. Like it just sort of progresses yeah. the way it, it, you feel like you're where you're supposed to be when it happens like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of you, I know you're going to ask me a lot about the brands and things as we get into this, but when you talk about people who have an amazing history in bourbon, hers is pretty unparalleled. She, you know, when in the eighties and nineties, when bourbon was really kind of, you know, slowing down here in the U S and production was being cut she was creating all these interesting new brands and exporting them to Japan. And Japan really has been an amazing supporter of bourbon for a very long time. And um, there's a lot of unique products, you know, that are still only sold in Japan. And she had one of those, a few of those products that she was doing really well with there. And, you know, there was a lot of old bourbon that was on the market here and she had a lot of friends um, and she was able to get her hands on some just killer juice that I wish we had lots of cases to drink today of, you know, really old Stitzel juice and um, some really other really old gems here that she was getting her hands on that were just incredibly cheap because they just weren't selling. And so she was taking those, making really cool labels with them and selling them to um, to Asia in particular. So it's, it's well, pretty cool. By all means, let's not gloss over that because that is what I'm really looking forward to geeking out with you over today is just her history in the business and, and all of the great things that she's done. So by we, we can talk about uh, the bourbon all day long, but I by, if, if you've got some awesome stories about her in the 80s selling to Japan. I'm all ears. Yeah, you know, her, her husband, um, Lou, is a legend in California. He played for the 49ers and... Um, when he kind of on the off season, when he wasn't playing football, he was working for a distributor and that's kind of, you know, those guys didn't make a ton of money back then, but he did really well. And um, it was just something he loved to do and became ingrained out there in California. And he's really kind of a legend in the business. And so, um, you know, with Lou, he's been selling bourbon for a very long time and had great relationships um, with a lot of folks in Kentucky that, 
you know, he's got 30 and 40, 50 year relationships with people. And, um, you know, and Marcy's been in the business for a really long time as well. And so the two of them, it really is a family business. And um, they, they, they have these shared relationships that are just incredible. Um, I know you mentioned Pappy Land and, and you know, Julian Van Winkle was, was a good friend of hers. And I think back in the day, she always mentions, you know, when it was tough and bourbon was tough and Julian was trying to sell um, some of his stuff in Japan, you know, old rip and some stuff. And she has a lot of those old bottles in her office still. And we go drink them and we're having a good day, even we're having a bad day. It's not, not bad to crack one of those. Um, but, you know, she was, he was making a lot of stuff for her back in the day and she was getting a lot of product from him. And um, when he was doing the book, he came to our distillery and, and had a lot of really cool notes and things from when they were doing business together with some old invoices and stuff. And just some of the, the back and forth, a lot of stuff was done on typewriters back in the day. So a lot of old um, communication and letters and things. So it was really neat to see all that. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about, especially old St. Nick and, and where it came from and who's owned it. You know, Marcy created the brand. She was on an airplane and uh, one of the customers there said, I need a brand, a bourbon brand, and I need you to develop something for me. And so she was on a plane, took on a napkin, just started freehanding it and drew it. I mean, that's really where the label came from. And um, she's really creative. She's the driving force behind all the brands. I think a lot of things you see in the market today with using wine bottles, with using craftier kind of labels and things that all really started with her. Um, she was, she's lived in Napa and the wine country for a long time. And so, you know, when she was getting going, she didn't have a ton of money to go and say, I want to create a mold or something, or I want to have this bottle. She was buying, um, a lot of leftover cool glass that wineries had, that they don't even have anymore. That green glass and some of the amber glass that a lot of the old bottlings were used in. That's just, it was in runs on glass. She picked up cheap and, um, you know, she was doing all the labels by herself dipping them in wax and everything back in the day. And so it really is when you talk about craft, we're still absolutely a craft company, but you know, that's, that's really how it started for her. And I would say that's really where, you know, a lot of craft began where she was just coming up with ideas. And a lot of it was to meet the demands of what her customers were asking for. She was developing it with some of the best juice that was ever available at the time. So I know everyone's very happy with the quality of the packaging you know, and it was just cool. And, and the cool factor on, on the brands is really what kind of keeps us going today because there really is some craftsmanship and heritage and tradition and things with these brands because they, they got started in the mid eighties. And, um, when Julian kind of wasn't doing as much for her, she went over and really started working with the Colesveens with Evan Colesveen at Willett up until, you know, a few years ago. And he was doing all the work for her, um, and so, you know, now we all do, we do everything in house now. So, um, and it really is craft. We have a six bottle filler where we do everything by hand. We hand label everything, we hand wax everything. And we spend um, a crazy amount of time really making sure the juice is something that we're really proud of that we want to share with our friends. And, you know, it's something that Marcy always says, you know, you're always happy to pick up that glass again. You want to have, you know, another another sip or gulp or glass or bottle of whatever it is we're putting in, in, in the product. So that's really how we, we still approach it today. That is absolutely awesome. And as I was researching for this, I think it's crazy. Uh, the mythology around her, uh, it, the cool thing is it's not like everything else out there where it's so oversaturated. It's hard to find anything on her. I was really looking forward today to talking to you and just, just going through some of her history because it really is minimal. You know how it insane that is in today's world that she can have this mystique around the business and not have everything about her life already known. It, it's, it's kind of incredible. Yeah. And she's, she's a private person and she's just really proud of what she does and um, does business a certain way. She's been really successful and on all the businesses she's ever had. And this is just another one where she has a flavor profile that she really loves and wants to stick with. And, and I'm just fortunate that it kind of matches up with mine. Um, we really like, um, we do bourbon. We love rice, but we don't like really overly spicy rice. So, you know, we tend to base a lot of our, our thoughts and, and flavor profiles, um, on the same things on the same basis. So it works really well for us. And, and our team is kind of right along the same flavor profile as, as we have. And so it just works out kind of well for all of us. And, um, but, but her, her history is remarkable. And she's very quiet about stuff. She she doesn't want to put her face out there or anything else. She just kind of goes about her business and um, just does her thing. And 
you know, when I first started here, I was reading all kinds of stuff on the internet about, you know, people guessing it's this or it's that or whatever else. Right. And it's, it's, it's kind of the mystique of the brand. You know, there's not a lot, a whole lot known about it. And, um, it's interesting to see what people really think we're, we're up to. So, yeah. That is absolutely awesome. And, Back in the 80s, just to have the foresight to take it over to Japan and build those relationships at a time when Americans weren't really into it as much as we are again now, I mean, that that is really showing uh, a business savvy that I'm sure a lot of people wish they could have gotten on uh, at the same time she did. Yeah, I mean, and I guess hindsight's twenty twenty, and uh you know, there's a lot of things I wish I would have done also in this business, you know, having what I know now, I didn't know then, but um, <laughs> her foresight was pretty amazing back then to be able to take these products and realize that, you know, certainly there's a lot of great bourbon. I mean, there's not really, there aren't really many bad products at all. There's a lot of different products out there, but for her to realize there was a, a really um, high end that wasn't really being met at that point. Um, and there was a hole in the market and she looked at that and said, you know, I've got this amazing stuff. Um, and, and truly it was the best juice that was available at that time, amazing packaging. And so she was just did a really great job of doing it completely different from what everybody else was doing at that time, different bottle shape, different bottle color. The whole wax was a really neat part of it. Um, and all the labels were all done with craft paper and, um, it was just her realizing there was a segment of the market. Yeah, and there's an old St. Nick, and you know that's a little bit of a newer label with some some foil dyes and some things we do to, to update a little bit. But that really is is based on the original packaging, and we buy a lot of those old bottles on secondary that you know they go for anywhere from two to six thousand dollars a bottle and, and upwards of there. Um, and we have a little collection that we're putting together to to put in our guest house. But it's just a really neat thing, and you know when you look at a lot of the, the great brands today. You can look and take some cues from what Marcy did um, with their packaging, certainly with Pappy, with the Antique Collection. Um, oh, yes. there's, there's a lot of other stuff that just changed as she was changing these things, and she was definitely the first one to do it. So it's kind of a neat neat heritage that she, she has. Well, regarding the label, um, I was talking to a friend of mine last night, and the the... And again, it, bourbon folklore is so much fun to try and track down because everybody, yes. one, it's like a big game of of whiskey telephone. Um, he and again, this is this could be completely wrong. This could be on the money. He had heard that the original hand drawn. Uh, label that she drew on the way over to Japan, like then it had to be redone because it was done by hand over there. It was used for what it was used for. And then when it, when you got back to the States, it had to be like properly digitized and recreated because the original napkin was now like um, phantom napkin. Well, it, it, if you look at the old bottles of old St. Nick, if they are a little bit more hand drawn, a little bit more craftish looking, I would say. So we had to go and digitize everything just to be able to make the labels. Um, and the drawing is really similar to what it was. It's just, it's, it's refined a little bit, but it's still pretty true to what the original was, but the true, the true one she drew, you know, with a pencil. And so there's a little bit more detail in that, but that really is a really good representative, um, picture of what it was. And it's the same font, you know, with the, with the script and everything. Right. So it's very, very similar, but that's just a little bit, a, a touch more cleaned up. Um, with that particular label it, it's it's gorgeous it's one of those like elevated labels where it just speaks to high end like when you see it you immediately know it, it, it it's craft but it is high-end craft yeah and you know a little touching on pricing a little bit you know our stuff is, is certainly not um, inexpensive um, but you know when you look at I, I was kind of going through some numbers the other day and just looking at what we have and cost into that stuff. And, it, and it's so crazy being small. Um, when you look at just the, the cost of things that people really don't even think about, like, like barrel insurance has gone up almost tripled in the last year. Um, you know, we're paying a lot of, a lot of tax and a lot of other things. And then really when we're getting down to yields, a lot of our stuff is, is really old and, you know, really small yields, um, we're only using the really finest parts of everything that we can get our hands on. And so it's very small production, but I would say, you know, it's, it's in there, it's in the bottle. Um, but it, it's painstaking for us to get to the point where we're 
chasing through some barrels and we're to the point where we love something, but then do we still really love it once we kind of get it together, we're putting a blend together and um, we only use the, the most exceptional parts of all the blends we put together to put anything in Old St. Nick. And we have other brands that we use, you know, what we use um, the bourbons for and the rice for, um, if they just don't meet that really amazing criteria. So it's, a, it's such a small amount of production that we have. And it truly is the most exceptional stuff that we have in our, in our library that we put in, the, in those bottles. Well, I think anybody you talk to would say it's a, it's a still what you can get it for considering how good it is. I hope so. I mean, uh, that's where we hope we can get to that, you know, people think that it's, it's the values there and definitely I think the quality's there. Um, but we work really, really hard to put just something that we're all so proud of as a company in the bottle. And that's awesome. You have to, you have to have pride in what you do, especially when you're doing it at, at the level you guys are and the reputation that you have for producing quality. Like, like how, how, how's the pressure? Like, like there is definitely a name, like you, it's a name brand, like old St. Nick is a legitimate name brand. How is the pressure uh, to produce consistently each year uh, to stand the test of your own reputation? Yeah, it's, it's tricky because we're kind of in the middle of a three and a five year plan right now. And so um, we do have a really good amount of barrels, which we're fortunate to have. So they're all coming of age at different times. But for us to release something, um, there's a couple things we look at. Um, our distribution has we've kind of expanded um, maybe a little bit more than we should have. It was really based on demand and markets that were interested in us and retailers that wanted to have our product. So. You know, we, ha we have a good foothold in, in quite a few of the most important markets, um, California, Arizona, Colorado, Texas, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina. Um, so Wisconsin's been a great market, obviously Kentucky, Tennessee. So, you know, part of the challenge is how do we become relevant with um, the SKUs that we have and making sure we give enough cases to those distributors and in those stores so it, it's relevant. So it's kind of the, the balancing act that we want to make something that's great. But if we don't have enough juice, it tends to cause more problems for us because then we don't get enough out. And then, you know, I just don't want to be a company that has 20 SKUs and we're giving you 50 cases and, you know, say, here you go. Thank you. Right. We, we have to scale up to a certain point um, where, where it's relevant for everybody. And so we're kind of always looking at the SKU count, making sure that, okay, do we really need to produce this this year? Do we have the exceptional juice to do it? And so that's, that's one of the challenges that we have is to decide what we're going to produce in a given year. And then making sure we have enough so it, it makes sense for us. And we, you know, we, we love having it at the guest house and we always have pretty much everything available at the guest house for anybody who wants to come and visit. So we always have a great selection there, but we always want to make sure that we're, you know, giving all the distributors and, and retailers a decent amount as well. Well, that's, that's good to know. Out there. Uh, all, all I heard was guest house. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, uh, Matt Foley. I'm just going to, I'm going to get my things. I'm moving in. Yeah. I, I'll, you'll, you'll, you'll never get rid of me. Yes. We love having anybody there. It's a treat to have, um, our fans and guests come and we do great tastings and stay as long as you want. It's a really great place. It's beautiful. And, um, it really is a picturesque, cool, it's a smaller distillery, but you can really get a feel for how everything works at our distillery. We want everybody to walk around so you can see the grain, you know, getting milled. You can see us doing mashing in. You can see us distilling, filling barrels, rolling on the truck. I mean, it's all right there. So if you want to, you want to see how it's truly done, uh, the craft way, um, and small production, we're the place to come and visit. Uh, it is definitely, if, if you're going to Kentucky, you have to stop by. It, it really is a, a gorgeous distillery. Uh, one of the guys on the show, he went this summer and he was just blown away by just how awesome the whole experience was. Yeah, that's great. Glad to hear it. So what did you always know you wanted to work in whiskey? Like, like, how did you get started? You've been in it for a while now. Like, like what were your original plans when you were starting out? You know, when I was a kid growing up, my next door neighbor worked for uh, Somerset Importers. And uh, he was a really cool guy. And um, I was the only kid. So I was always out messing around the, in the driveway or playing basketball or whatever and with friends and stuff. And he'd always come over and talk to me. And he had two daughters. And so I think he secretly thought I was like his adopted kid. So he was always over there. And this guy had... It's like the best job ever. He's always telling me, 
how much fun it was, how cool it was, but he had Johnny Walker and Tangray. And so I had everything in my life was Johnny Walker and Tangray when I was a kid. And, um, it's funny. I go to school. I have like a Johnny Walker umbrella, Tangray, you know, windbreaker or something, and shirts and stuff. I'm like, you know, you really aren't supposed to wear that stuff to school. I'm like, yeah, I know, but you know, it's, it's kind of like awesome. what I do. And he always had, yeah, and he had tickets to stuff. And he's he always said, he's like, you know, when you grow up, you need to get into the liquor business. It's the best job ever. And he always told me, he goes, if you're gonna do it, suck it up and go to work for Gallo. And I always remember that. And um, I ended up doing just that. When I got out of college, I ended up um, finding my way to Gallo and uh, kind of the rest is history, but he was the one that got me started in it. And uh, to the listener, to talk about it. I, to the listener that doesn't know Gallo, it, it, just explain who they are. So people are, 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 they know. Yeah. It's, you know, it's the best training ground. If you ever want to get in this business, Gallo is kind of like the, you st- I still remember like the 10 steps to a sales call and all this stuff. They, they take, people that are coming out of college that are very competitive and you think you're going to be like in a three-piece suit, like in a boardroom talking about Hardy Burgundy or something, but then you're in a circle K till 10 o'clock at night, dusting bottles and pricing with the price gun. It's very humbling, but you learn pretty quickly that um, you need to start hustling up a lot and work hard if you're going to make any money in this business. And, um, you know, it just teaches you everything about the business, merchandising, POS, pricing. It was a great place to, to get my hands around the trade and um their training programs are legendary and you know it's just kind of if you have that pedigree it's like oh you work for gallo you have the tattoo whatever so it's kind of a cool thing to get started and i did that for a few years and and it really did kind of lay a a foundation for my career certainly and and, um it really got me excited about the business some of the best days i ever had too that's awesome just just right out of college working in the whiskey game uh, just absorbing all of it 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 sounds like a, a phenomenal way to start a career it was cool i mean it, it it was so crazy you look back on the days when you're doing a 4am reset in a public grocery store or something or moving everything around in a costco but it was just cool you're part of a team and everybody's working hard and you were just trying to crush everybody in your, in your way. And uh, <laughs> it was good. It was good times. Made a lot of great friends that we still joke about and talk about it today. It's a very small business. It's kind of a cool industry. Everybody kind of knows everybody and you have these long, long-term relationships and um, it's pretty awesome. And you really don't see that in any other industry. Like the fact that everybody knows each other and more or less from what I can tell, everybody likes one another. Like I've not talked to anybody yet that had anything bad to say about anyone else. Like everyone's just looking for make the best juice possible. Let, let it just continue taking over the world and everybody enjoy the, the, the fruits of their labor. Yeah. Enjoy the ride. I mean, if you can't have fun in this business, then there's something wrong with you. I think, I mean, it's, I'm I'm very fortunate and blessed to have figured out somehow stumbled into this whole thing, but it's been a great ride for me and it's I just love it. I mean it's it's amazing that I get to get up, like you said, and walk in a warehouse and start drilling barrels and pontificating on what I'm gonna do with this or how we're gonna, you know, let this age longer. And then, you know, I'm working with a lot of great people with the distributors. Um we have great distributors we work with, a great network, and so it's been a little challenging this last year, not being able to get out as much and doing all these Zoom calls is, is kind of a crazy thing. It's really turned the business kind of upside down. And, you know, distributor um, offices have been closed for almost a year where they don't even let a lot of their folks into the office. And so you can't really have meetings, taste people, you know, and sit down and really talk about something. So that's changed a lot, but we do send a lot of samples off to people and um, try to keep the relationships going that way through drinking product and still staying caught up on zoom and everything else, but it's hard to see customers too. I mean, they don't want to see anybody in person. So of course this would change the game up quite a bit. Well, and it's an interesting thing. Cause like you said, you're building those personal relationships and uh, there's only so much you can do. I was listening to an interview with uh, one of the head writers of Saturday night live. And I think it, co- it really kind of correlates to what you're talking about. There's just something about that face to face rapport that you share with somebody when you're writing a joke, if you're selling bourbon, like there's that connection that you make when you're in person that without it, it, it it's kind of like you're, you almost get there, 
but you're not quite there. Like it, it's, 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 there's still that boundary between you. Uh, th- so I completely understand how hard the year must have been. Uh, it, but you, how did you guys do? Was it still, cause liquor sales have been up uh, more or less, haven't they? Yeah, it's, it's been really a good year for us. Um, it was really good from from a volume perspective. It was great. Um, the only challenge we really had was we we had a lot of momentum going, and um, we use our guest house as a big kind of a it's just kind of the home base for everything we do, and so we love having people here. And there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in Louisville this year, you know, um, during the summer, and so a lot of people weren't going to Louisville as much. And Bardstown really started blowing up with tourists and um, two new hotels in town um, just opened. And, you know, unfortunately we couldn't do the bourbon festival this year, but people want to get out and do date. We had just tons of people from Ohio, um, Tennessee, um, Illinois coming to visit and everything. And so, you know, that was the, the hardest part was when we had to shut that down. Um, and we just had so much good momentum going and so many visitors and we we're exposing all the people to the brands. So that was kind of a bummer, but um, you know, Business-wise, uh, it was a great year. Just challenging from a production standpoint, where you know, trying to keep our team safe, um, trying to do all the social distancing and everything. So we we had a lot of shutdowns where we had to um, shut production down, shut bottling down, just you know, just to make sure if somebody got sick or something happened. But um, yeah, it was a, it was a big uh, learning. I, I, we learned a lot from it. I mean, we're better off, I guess, from from going through it and. Um, I hope it's much better in the corner now. So, Oh, I'm sure it's going to be. I mean, we will get back to where we were. It's just going to take, I think, Americans uh, at the beginning of this thing, we were all so used to, I want it, I can have it. If I need it, I can get it. And this has been kind of a humbling experience for all of us in that maybe we've uh, reset our expectations a little bit in terms of what we can have and when. But we'll get out of it yeah. when we do. It'll yeah. open back up. And if anything, maybe that guy that always coughed without covering his mouth, maybe he'll think twice about it the next time he's out <laughs> in public, you know? Exactly. Yeah, I'm looking forward to those times. I think it's right around the corner, though. So that'll be nice. It, it will be. And, and especially to what you to your point, once you can have people back there, I think that momentum will gear back up nicely for you guys as you really do. uh uh, hold a specific place in the uh, community's imagination. Like um, everybody when, and we got to get you guys into North Carolina. I don't think you're in North Carolina yet. Are you? We're not um, working on it. Like people make runs to South Carolina. Like, like it's uh it's, it's, it's such a, <laughs> sewing circle as soon as anything hits anywhere within driving distance there's like a phone line that'll blow up and be like all right I it know. just hit columbus and then all right i guess yes. we're going to columbus you guys are tough with your 268 counties or whatever to get all that stuff rolling there but yes we're working on that so they'll be coming soon this will definitely be in there this year beautiful uh well i know you can always special order if that's a if that's an option uh yeah, it, it, it's it's hard because which I don't think you guys would have a problem because you've been around for so long. They want to see it as soon as it hits the shelves. They want to see it leave the shelves. They, they right. and you only really get that with your established names. And you guys have the benefit of being, as you said, the craft juice, but with a lineage name. So you guys could just take over the state if you wanted to. I don't know about that, but yeah, we're we're looking at a few things there, and uh, we'll get, we're going to go to over to Mecklenburg County soon and, and pay those guys a visit and get some stuff going. But yeah, hey, that's perfect. some sites to definitely happen. Uh, I live in Mecklenburg County. When you come into town, let me know. Right. We'll grab we'll grab lunch. I will. I know uh, you're going to crack those bottles you have there. What are you waiting for? I, I'm, I'm talking to you. I can crack them whenever you want me to. All right, <laughs> go ahead. All right. Um, but when you do come into town, let me know. There is a place I can take you. It is a phenomenal whiskey bar. I, I think you would enjoy it. It Love is. It. It's a history lesson. Like they've got bottles from. Okay. Ooh, it's it's awesome. So you were awesome in sending me just a, a, a plethora of good bottles. Um, I figured we could start with the rare perfection twelve year, or we'll start wherever you want to start. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, go ahead. That sounds great. All right. That is just the best sound in the world right there. It is. <laughs> oh. 
And what is your opinion when it comes to um, letting it sit, opening and drinking? Like, what what what, what would you recommend if somebody was? Uh, yeah, they buy a bottle, they're going to take it home and open it, let it sit for fifteen minutes, drink it as soon as it opens. Absolutely, I love to let it sit and open up a little bit, um, especially in those older brands, um, the older whiskeys. It really they really do open up nicely and change quite a bit. Um, you'll see, and that that one changes a little bit, but. The other rare perfection you have at 15 is, is crazy what that one does once it gets a little oxidation in it. Um, the nose changes on it quite a bit, and um, it, it really gets to be something special. But I love to sit and just have a glass and just just keep it in my hand and drink it for a while, take a few notes, and really see what it, it, what it comes out to, uh, to be tasting like. So that, that 12-year-old you have there, is, uh, a, it's really more 13-year-old than 12. It was 12 and 13. Um, it's actually some, there's some weeded bourbon in there and some rye based bourbon in there. And so, um, the wheat comes through in the nose. Yeah. And both of those were, um, things stuff that's low, um, entry proof. So both of those were, I think the, I think the highest on that was 115. I think the other was one around 108, um, an entry proof. And so we, we put those together. Um, what I always look for is, um, we always try to find nice viscosity. <clears throat> and good mouthfeel. I always say you can't have a really good finish unless you have a great beginning. And right. so we always try to find something that has really good mouthfeel and, and a really nice, that one has a nice creaminess that we really liked. Um, and this one kind of lot of barrels we're working with. So it has a really nice mouthfeel to it. Um, and then I love just to, to have in the mid palate some really nice fruit flavors coming out. Um, and when you're working with a 12 year old, I definitely want to make sure it still has some good freshness to it. Right. And, some vibrancy. I'm not sure what proof that was. is. That the higher is that is that one over one twelve? I think it's the one fifteen. One fifteen. Okay, so that one has um, probably a little bit of green apple, a little bit of cherry in the mid palate, and a really nice finish to it. Um, but you know, we put that one together. We kind of just did different ratios on that. Really, um, it smells any, amazing. No, thank you. There's no water attitude or anything. So it's just both cash strength and, and just a little bit about our process. We don't do any um, chill filtration. We have a press filter we use on crazy occasions. If there's a barrel that's got just a, a ton of um, char in it that we really find char we can't get through. But um, quite honestly, on a lot of that stuff, all we do is we honestly use Mr. Coffee filter sometime and dump it through those. And it just goes through a stainless steel filter. Um, and it goes through a really fine kind of a microfilter that's also microfilter that's also steel in our um in our bottling unit so um in our filler i should say so it's incredibly light filtration so it will definitely cloud up um with some ice in the glass and um we don't want to lose any of those great flavors that you know it took so long to to get so we're really careful when we're dumping things not to lose any of those those great pieces of might be a little bit of tiny bit of sediment in there but we like it that way so most cool. definitely gives it character yeah, absolutely. The answer is the Kentucky Chew. There you go. It, yeah. it it does exactly what you want it to. Like like the nose is amazing. Like it's so inviting the nose on this that it 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 it, it activates. <laughs> like your your mouth is like almost uh, it is. It's like salivating. Like you smell it and it immediately like triggers that thing where it's just like, okay, this is a thing that we should do as uh, quit, quit talking Absolutely. about it nose and just let me have some. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to go in. Yeah. Go for it. Cheers. Cheers. Oh my goodness. Yes. Uh, the green apple for sure. Like just a hint of it. Right. Like, uh, yeah, there's a nice, like a little acidy kind of a little complex in there that was really kind of nice and unique, but it's not, um, it's a little bit lighter. It's not a really heavy flavor. Um, we had some of that stuff in some of the old St. Nick barrels that were, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just a heavier mouthfeel, um, really like really viscous and it, it had a lot of, um, more, um, spice notes to it. Um, some brown sugary notes, but it was just a really, really, very different from what this, this came out to be. See, I, I love a 115 that drinks like a 115, but has the flavors. Well, I mean, that's what you get with the high proof is that flavor. I mean, this, everything yeah. ties in together here. You've got a powerful palate and then you've got a super strong finish that like, 
just weaves itself through the entire beginning, middle and end of the user experience. Like, like it, it is the mouth feels exquisite. The I'm still getting the finish. I could just sit here and, and absorb everything that's happening as it just works its way through. And I've learned when doing these conversations, I've got to look away when I, when I, when I say that, because there's nothing creepier than me saying that making direct eye contact with you. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I want you to say. You're doing a good job. Thank you. You're doing a phenomenal job. This is delightful juice. Thank you. Replace delightful with uh, freaking delicious. Thank you. I like it. I love to do the three sips. I feel like that first sip, you're going to get the heat off of the just, especially having just opened it, uh, that alcohol forward first sip. Second sip, you get like your fruits and everything that you get kind of mid palate. And then that third sip, it's just like the beautiful ending of a story where all of those sweet notes come flooding through. Oh man, this is delightful. Again, it's delicious, not delightful. It's delightfully delicious. Oh, thank you very much. Good Lord. Yeah, we got to get you into North Carolina. My goodness. So, okay, that's the 12 years. So what can we expect from the 15? Well, the 15, it's interesting. Um, Rare Perfection was also started in the mid-80s, also in Japan, also with some really killer juice. Um, Marcy and I came on these barrels. Um, It was Canadian juice. And so I have a long history with Canadian. I worked for Seagram for a long time. And I, I love Canadian. I, I've, I've had a lot of it. And I also know what you can do to Canadian. And I know a lot of people do to Canadian. So I will give my preface by saying we launched a Canadian um, in the U.S. with Rare Perfection. But we found these barrels. Um, and I've never tasted anything like it in my life. And so we basically had to have them. And it was a... Okay, so it's a four-grain bourbon mash bill that was distilled for a client up there who used about half of it. And so we bought all the barrels we could get our hands on when we were up there. I mean, I, I, I don't even know what to say. We're, we're drinking this stuff. It's hard to put a finger on what you're actually tasting. So it's a four grain bourbon mash bill. The only thing we do to that is dump it and filter it, period. And it comes out of the, out of the barrel right around anywhere from high 118s to about 120. So that proof varies a little bit. That one's probably around 119. But um, it's I've never heard of a, a four-grain bourbon mash bill done in Canada um, in a used barrel. But it has really good color for being in a used barrel. It was at a low level in the warehouse, and it was stored in very cold conditions. So that is completely unadulterated. That is just as it comes out of the barrel, period, put into the, the glass. The amber is gorgeous. Yeah, so, you know, when we, we don't really do much in as far as competitions go, but last year we did four entries into San Francisco, and I think the San Francisco is really the best, kind of the benchmark, I would say. Agreed. Um, for that. So that one we entered, it got Best Canadian, um, and it got a double gold, which we're really proud of. Um, so did the other ones. We entered um, Old St. Nick, Samurai got a double gold. We did a Old St. Nick 12-year bourbon with a double gold and an old St. Nick eight year bourbon got a double gold. So we're, we got four. So I was very proud and very happy with what we, we walked away with that our team put together. So that was pretty awesome. But that one was kind of this, this, it's nuts. I mean, I, I take that on the road and I, I say to people, you know, what do you think this is? And everyone just looks at me like, what the hell is this? And they can't really put a finger on it. And that's the one, if you leave it in your glass, it, it goes all over the place. But, um, it's pretty killer. It's uh, it, you just have to try it. It's trying to explain the Grand Canyon to somebody that's just like looking at a postcard. You you can't do it. You have to get on your lips and try it, and you know take a big sip and and kind of let your mind roam. But it's well, wild. challenge accepted. And we also did a fourteen year old. We we got fourteen year old barrels, um, kind of in the in the same. It's pretty close to the same profile, and we cut those down to one hundred point seven. And it has this crazy creaminess of like key lime and fresh citrus zest and things with a really nice sweet finish. So we have that one as well. I'll shoot you some of those bottles next, but um, yes, we're bottling some of that now. But um, it's just like I've, like nothing I've ever had before. 
it's when, you, when you when you drink it on your palate, it's hard to explain, but it, it dances on your palate almost like a scotch does where you get a lot of the flavor on the very, very back part of your palate. This one kind of does the same thing. It doesn't have the same mouthfeel as a bourbon or a rye. It's very different. And it's got a, a really low rye content to it. So it has a lot of red winter wheat, um, malted barley, and heavy corn content. Oh, that is amazing. It's so, you know, good Lord. You're absolutely right. My mouth is complete. Like, like everything right now is going like, like everything's firing at the same time. Yeah. It's kind of overload. It's, it's, it's overload on the senses. And so if you let that glass sit out for a while, it's crazy where it goes. And it's crazy how amazing that glass will start smelling in about 10 minutes too. It's just, it's crazy confectionery um, sweetness to it with some subtle baking spice and things in there. It's, it's almost hard to describe to people because it does change quite a bit, but that's one of the really coolest things we've come across and it was a little bit controversial. We were at the bourbon, um, the bourbon festival last year. And so I brought that out in our booth and everyone's like, what the hell are you doing with a Canadian? You can't have that here. And I said, it's a bourbon mash bill and it's awesome. And so some of my staunch people who are against me, I won them over in the end and thought, wow, that's really cool. To the point where they want to know whether it's some and try to put it in some of the things they're working on. So of course we kind of won them over, but yeah, so that was, it's a, just a really cool, that's my, my drinker right now. I, I can't get away from that stuff. I just keep, that's my go-to. Well, it's so much fun. It's, it's ridiculously fun. The, the thing, all of my go-tos have to be like complex sippers that I won't get bored yeah. with. And this is exactly yeah. that because you get different things every time you take a sip and all of them work together. It's kind of insane. And it doesn't taste like, it doesn't drink like 119 for sure. No, um, no, no, no. You know, it's, it's got, you can taste the age in there. There's a little bit of oakiness in there, but it's, it's subtle, but it's just nice. It all plays nicely together. So that's a fun one. It's like all of your, all of your toys in one sandbox at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I can't wait just to leave this out. Just, just put yeah, it in a glass and let it sit. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. That is, and, and you said it a second ago, uh, I, I, I love a lot of people get very judgmental very quickly when anything changes. Like you saw it when yep. people were finishing in port barrels and they started doing all of the, the new ways that they fin that now has now just gone everywhere in the industry. And then they get mad about it or they, they get very opinionated about it. I don't say anybody really gets mad about it. Uh, and then they try it. And then as soon as they realize that the person that's doing the thing is doing it because they know what they're talking about and they're bringing something good to the table, of course, everybody wanted to know where you got the barrels. You'd see it across the board next year. Yeah, of course. So, yeah. Oh, man. Um, I kind of want more of this. I don't think we've finished unpacking everything that goes into this 15 year right now. I'll, I'll gladly, I'll gladly open the, the St. Nick. If, if, if you want to go there next. Yeah. Hit that one next. Yeah. You, you mentioned uh, your different expressions. How many do you guys put out a year? Like how many different brands or, or how many different offerings are you putting out? Just uh, not by, not by volume, but by, by label each year. Um, we'll have four rare perfections this year. We're doing a really, um, a really, really nice rye we're working on. We'll have more of the 12 year bourbon. Um, then on old St. Nick, um, we're not quite finished yet going through all the bourbons, but we, we do have, um, uh, we will have harvest rye, summer rye, which we're working on those now. The bourbons, um, we always kind of look at those again after the summer. And, and usually bottle those after the summer, having the benefit of one, you know, one more full summer on them, um, unless they're really just need to be bottled now. But um, I'm, I'm pretty confident we'll have 13 year old uh, bourbon again this year, probably, uh, and probably 16. Um, we're working on some younger stuff as well, but I think we're gonna let them go just a little bit longer before they're quite ready. Um, so we'll probably have five offerings on um, Old St. Nick and probably four on Rare Perfection. We have Wadi Boone, which is a really cool Tennessee. Um, and then we have a few other things with um, our Cowboy um, blended whiskey. And then we also have a, a tequila called Campion that's really, really nice as well. So we we have quite a few things we're, we're working on. For a small company, we have a lot of SKUs. Um, and we're always working on trying to make those a little bit better and 
yeah, it's fun. Uh, I, I, you, you know, you're you, you you're into what you're into, and then it seems you, it grows. I've slowly been tiptoeing into the uh, the aged tequila, and some of that barreled tequila can be it can be amazing and it can be dangerous. It's it's really cool stuff. We sent barrels down, um, some really awesome old Saint Nick barrels down to um, our distillery in Mexico that we're aging our Campion in now. Oh, um, oh. other folks have done that too. Um, with some, I've tried some just amazing tequila that's been barrel aged. So we're hoping to get something really special out of those barrels as well. And they're really wet when we send them down there. So um, we should get some really nice mingling of those flavors. So I'm excited. It'll be about another year before we're ready to, to taste it, but it's going to be pretty exciting stuff. I, I think that's where, uh, of course, the industry, the puck's going all over the place. Uh, it's not just one direction, but I think you'll see the consumer. That'll be like level three or four, you know, after they've yeah, grown into what they're liking. I, I, it's, it's delicious, delicious stuff. Uh so I think we already answered. I, I always like to ask people, what's your day sipper? But it sounds like the 15 years, your day sipper. That pretty much is it for me. I'm on that one. I love our bourbons. I love our rice. I drink those a lot too. But if I'm just going to relax and have a drink, it's usually that 15. Can't go wrong. It, it is absolutely delicious. Thanks. Uh, and it can be daunting. There's so many labels out there right now like uh, there's so many brands competing for shelf space what would you tell the average consumer who's standing there looking at a wall in in their liquor store of a hundred different labels how would you tell them to just to like just calm down take a breath and pick something what what advice would you give them yeah it's you know it's crazy what um i guess the bourbon sections look like today it's kind of like what flavored vodka was a few years ago, where it's just insanity with all these crazy, you know, fruit loops and whatever else, cotton candy and everything that those sections just got out of control. And I've always looked at the bourbon section as a collector and a drinker, you know, and those sections have been pretty stagnant for a long time. But now all of a sudden, all the new stores that are being built have a dedicated bourbon section that is just massive. And yeah, there's no shortage of new brands to come out. Um, that are on the marketplace. But, you know, I would say, you know, I always look for the new kind of cool stuff that it's um, a small producer putting out there. And being a small producer myself, I can tell you, when you think about the amount of time and passion that somebody really puts behind getting something to the point where they had an idea to get it to the shelf is no easy feat. It is so much work. Um, and so, you know, you want to try the new stuff and give those, give those folks a shout out. And, you know, like I said before, there's a lot of cool stuff out there. There's a lot of things that are different as well. There's a lot of flavor fishing now, um, barrel finishing. There's a lot of things being done, but you know, ultimately it comes back to, um, great juice and a great barrel at the right time and, and being put together properly through the, the blending process is what it comes down to. But I love trying new stuff and I try stuff from kind of all over the country and just see what people are putting out there. It's it's daunting though, and you have to be careful what liquor store you go to because certain liquor stores will walk you right to certain products they want you to buy. But yes. you know, it's always good to do your research before you go in there and look at um, some new stuff or listen to a great podcast like yours to learn about Thank you. some of the new stuff and really learn the stories behind it. And I think that's what's cool about bourbon is the people, the stories, kind of the the, the way that people do this business and all the stuff they've overcome to get to the point where they can have a bottle on the shelf is pretty awesome. It, it really is. Anybody that has started distilling in a state that has been predominantly dry since prohibition, just listening yeah. to what people have gone through to get even the permission to distill like, like that shows you that their hearts in it. And that, that is such a good answer. And I a thousand percent agree with you. If you're in a store and you see something by a newcomer that you've, you've, you've heard of, but you haven't tried yet, you've done your research and it's a, it's a good price point for, for a palate, uh, for your yeah. palate specifically, by all means, give them a go because they, they need your yeah. dollars. Absolutely. It's a really good answer. You no, know, there's, there's so much great stuff out there. I mean, you know, and the big producers, have the ability to put just amazing stuff out there with a library of stuff that they have 
over the years. But you know, there's a lot of really cool small producers that get their hands on some on some stuff and, and do their finishing work on it or their blending work on it and just make something that's really exceptional and different. So like you said, there's a lot of cool things out there to try. So that's that's the beauty of bourbon and whiskey and rye that, that you can just keep exploring your way through it and uh, having good experiences. It's fun. 1,000%. And what what I've learned is that there's not one answer to the question of what do you like either. If if you if you get no. something and you get it home and and maybe you at first taste it's it's not your cup of tea, give it a minute. Try it again tomorrow. Yeah. Try it again two days from now. Uh, you will hit a mood that it'll be exactly what you want at some point in your day or night. Absolutely. And and speaking of something that I want, which is a segue into the Old St. Nick. Cool. I've, no, I've so now let it sit for about, about five minutes. Harvest rye. Yeah, that is, um, that's all cast strength as well. So we work with barrels um, of rye that are not um, maybe as, as high of rye content as a lot of people work with. So that particular one you're drinking right now is a blend of 51% rye and 70% rye. And the whole idea about harvest rye is we let that go um, so everything in there is at least five, five summers old, but it's all over five years as well. Um, and so we, we pull back some of those barrels and just look for those qualities I was kind of talking about. Um, but this, this one in particular, the harvest is a, is a little bit heavier in profile than the summer rye is. So we wait till about October. We dump all those barrels when we feel like they've had the full benefit of the summer calming down a little bit. I know it sounds kind of marketing-ish and hokey-ish, but it, it truly does make a difference when you're tasting through them. Um, and so we, we start dumping them then and, and putting the blend together. And so that one has, um, it's a little bit thicker, heavier, viscous, robust, I would say, than the summer rye. Um, and it has a higher content of the 70% rye in it. So it's a bit more sharper rye flavor in there, but it also has this just amazing ripe cherry mid palate that I love that really that bursts through um, in that blend. And and again, it's a cast strength, very, very lightly filtered, just giving the full expression of those barrels. And so we have a, a pretty good amount of rye that um, we produce and work with. And so that that one is, um, uh, that's one of my favorites of, of the whole portfolio. That might be my number, my number two favorite to drink, right? Well, you were speaking my language. I have been on a massive rye kick lately, and, yeah. and th this is the one that everybody's been talking about. Well, when I told the team that you were coming on today, uh, they were all super excited to hear how this one is because it's the one that they have just they've been looking forward to. So um, I'll put it out on the tasting table after this conversation, cool. and it'll be it'll be gone. It'll be gone by Wednesday. <laughs> Good. Well, I have. I'm running a few more batches right now, so I'll send you some other stuff to drink as well. Oh, please. Um, but, but I think that one is, um, it's the balance I really like in that one. I'd say it's, I always say it's kind of harmonious with um, the good, good mouthfeel up front, nice mid-palate, fresh fruit flavors, and it's oh, got nice. a good sweet finish at the end, so it's, it's a nice drinker. Oh, it's phenomenal. It, it, the sweet comes, oh, man. Okay, I'm gonna slow down here. I'm gonna I'm gonna give my tongue a seizure. And then a lot of people say, you know, this doesn't taste like a rye. And I said, well, yeah, if you're used to drinking something that's like 95% rye or something, yeah, it's not gonna have a ton of that spice. Um, it's just not kind of our flavor profile as much. Um, so this one's just, you know, these aren't cocktail products, obviously. So this is just made to be enjoyed in a snifter, just relax and and get into it. And um, so we we tried to make something that's not quite um, as heavy on the rye, so it's easier to drink and approach. But I would also tell them just keep looking into the glass because the rye's there. Like it's 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 definitely there. Yeah, it's still it's 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 just playing very well with what else it's in there with because uh, you you get su sweet and spice. It, it is it is such a welcome change in a rye because you're right it's not taking you over it's 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 not like uh right. coming at you with uh 93 rye or 100 rye uh but it, but the rye right. is still holding its own in the bottle and it is freaking phenomenal yeah it's the 51 percent rye that gives that that very really comes out in so we there's subtle notes of that in there and um 
you know, the 70% is some of those heavier baking spices and nice flavors and definitely some of the rye punch. So the balance of those two is really what we, we work really hard to get to get right in that product. So, and when we dump stuff, we, we truly do three barrel batches of everything. And, um, and we, <laughs> so we dump that into a tote and then that's what we barrel as far as old St. Nick goes. So it's always these really small batches. So the number on the, the proof number always varies a little bit because it's cask and it, you know, it goes up and down quite a bit. So, right. um, you know, it's never going to be the same proof when you do that, but that truly is representative of what was in the barrel. I, I'm going back and forth on which one's my favorite. It, it's definitely between the 15 and the old St. Nick rye. All three of them are just uh, master strokes. You guys are creating some amazing juice That's out awesome. there. Thank you. I mean, it really is. Very it's, nice. You just uh, say thank you. No, it's not just words. Those are, uh, I, I, I don't get to drink as much of it as you do, but I have been drinking a lot of it as of um, this pandemic. And it is so refreshing to have a sip of something that, that has its own personality. Like you guys aren't trying to be something else. This is a, a unique, all three bottles share that same uniqueness uh, that I'm, I'm, I'm guessing is just you guys. Like, like you, you, I bet if you were to put all of these next to one another, like your entire lineup, you would be able to pick out that it's your brand. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, we, we, we work really hard to make sure that, and like I said, we do have a lot of SKUs, but they are very individualistic. And so, yeah, we want to be able to have somebody come and say, oh, that's Samurai, that's Harvest Bride, that's this or whatever. You know, they really do have their own unique personality. And we really work hard to, to you know, keep that going and maintain it. And that's part of the challenge with um, when you look at just the number of barrels and the quantities we have to work with, it, it does become a little bit challenging to make, you know, make enough of it to make it matter and then um, keep the quality. It's a, it's a fine balance, as you said. So, well, I think you're doing a phenomenal job. It is all three bottles were very, very, very good. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll have to email you which one's my favorite because uh, the, <laughs> well, the St. Nick and the 15 year are just so neck and neck because they each bring something interesting to the table. I love the balance of the St. Nick and I, I love the, the, the every which direction of the 15 year, like, like one's yeah. exciting and the other one is like tried and true exciting. So it, it's, I don't know. I think it's probably one of those you buy both bottles and you just go back and forth. I could see one being a Monday and the other being a Tuesday. You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, man. That's freaking like good. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I thank you very much for uh, coming on today and talking whiskey with us. Uh, thank you, Jesse. It's been an absolute pleasure. I always like to ask people before they go, if you could put together a Mount Rushmore of distillers, who would you put on your Mount Rushmore? You're talking four? You can, yep, yep, four is normal. I've had some people say one just four times. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you my four. So uh, one would be Dr. Bill Lumsden at Glen Morangy. Crazy dude, makes killer stuff. Number two will be Larry Eversold, Icework at Seagram, and uh, he is the man. He consulted on a few different things I've been working on, and I, he introduced me to bourbon a long time ago. Um, then I would do um, our own guy, Matthew Jackson, is awesome. He is a magician with what he does. I mean, I can't say enough great stuff about Matthew. He gets into it like nobody I've ever seen and makes, you know, it's not easy working on um, pot still product to right. make stuff that's just really awesome every time. It's a lot easier on a column and we're pot selling everything and he is making stuff that is so noticeably ours, uh, with just amazing mouthfeel and um, just amazing qualities that he's really killing it for us and I can't wait till we can start releasing his stuff because it's drinking really, really good. He's going to be a superstar. Um, and then my buddy Rob Arnold, who is at Firestone and Robertson, who is more of a... Um, God, he's got a great palate. He's he's written two books. He's really into terroir and really digging into the grains and um, a lot of the history and, and traditions in bourbon and whiskey. 
So those are my four, four really cool dudes who are very different and do it, um, do it all really well their way. That is a great list. That is an all-encompassing. That is a. I think that also sums up your whiskey. That is like a well-rounded, very <laughs> nicely thought-out list right there. And, and I, it just shows that the thought goes into everything you guys do. So beautiful. Thank you. Thank um, you, Jesse. It's been I appreciate, great. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. Oh, anytime. Anytime you want to come on and uh, shoot the shit over about whiskey, let me know. Thank you. And when Cheers. You're, I, I'm, I'm going to let this 15-year now. I'm just going to put it down. And we'll put it down. I'm not going to touch it. Yeah. Leave it there. And uh, next time you're in North Carolina, let me know. I'll take you out and uh, show you show you some good drinking. Love it. Thanks <laughs> so much. Thank you. Take care. There you have it, everybody. There is the episode for today. We want to thank Scott Nelson for being on the show. We really like the work that he's doing with Very Old St. Nick and Preservation Distillery. That rare perfection 15-year, man, that is just insanely good. If you see an opportunity to pick it up, it's called Rare Perfection for a reason. It is a damn tasty glass of whiskey. So do yourself a favor and pick some of that up today. We want to thank Scott for his time. We know how busy everybody is right now, and we just want to thank him for coming on the program and giving us uh, giving us an hour of his day. It was very appreciated. Had a great talk with him. Look forward to uh, meeting up with him in person after after all this craziness is over and we're all back out there drinking whiskey together. So thank you guys so much for listening today. Tune in next week where we have Spirits of French Lick on the program. Let me tell you, it's a crazy-ass conversation that, that we go, wow, man, it's like a tornado. It's a tornado in a bottle, and I love it. I absolutely love it. So tune in for that. We want to thank everybody that makes this show possible. Go like us, subscribe to us, click the things that you need to click to make me feel good. Uh, my name's Jesse Jones. I want to thank everybody again. Come back next week and see us. Raise your glasses and kick some asses. It's the Bourbon Showdown Podcast. Talk to everybody then. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.